Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, everybody. It's Bob Vetter here. Before we get started, and just in case you have to get off this podcast early, if you'd like to get underway with your own healing and clear away any energetic blockages, you can get on a free call with me. Go to HealWithBob.com. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, I'm here in part three with John Prendergast, who has been describing to us his own personal journey, the things that he learned along the way from a variety of spiritual teachers. And now we're going to begin to put all of that together to understand a little bit more about the work that he does out in the world. So, John, welcome back to part three. Thank you so much. Good to be back. And please take us along with you on, on your journey to lead up to the, the writing of the books that you describe and the work that you're doing here. So this is kind of the, the third installation in your life story. So take us okay. along for that journey, if you would. Yeah, uh, I'll be happy to. And maybe I'll start with a dilemma that I was facing many years ago, which is what is the relationship between psychology and spirituality between the conditioned mind and our unconditioned true nature. And that's kind of what led me, one of the questions that led me to become a psychotherapist and also, um, you know, my work with people. And at some point, this happened a number of years ago, maybe 30 years ago, the question just fell away. And I realized I can't separate these two domains. They have distinctive qualities, um, but um, they are so intertwined uh, and so, and that every experience that we have is really an expression of consciousness. So, um, this began to emerge as I, as I worked with people and, um, and I was, um, also teaching in the California Institute of Integral Studies and, um, a, a class called the Art of Listening. Um, and that was very enjoyable and, um, and I, I felt a movement to start writing. Um, and actually, to, um, I co-founded a conference uh, with Peter Fenner called the Conference on Non-Dual Wisdom and Psychology, originally psychotherapy, then psychology, uh, that began in like 2000, 2000 I think, 2001. And um, um, that continued for a number of years. Um, and out of that came two books. Um, the first, The Sacred Mirror, was an anthology. I wrote one chapter. And, there are other chapters, and it's about non-dual wisdom and psychology. They're, they're a kind of interface. And a second book. Can you, I'm sorry, John, can you just describe what that means to listeners who may or may yeah. not be familiar? Yeah, with? I, that's right. That's specialized language. Non-dual wisdom refers to um, the understanding that um, ultimately self and other are not different, the, that the, the perceiver and the perceived share a common ground of consciousness. And when we deeply investigate either side, you know, either the subject or the object, they tend to fall away and we find this, we might call a unified field of awareness or consciousness. So shorthand for that is non-dual awareness. So non-dual awareness in psychology or psychotherapy is like, oh, well, how does this work? You know, what, how, how, if this is true, if this is actually our true nature as human beings, 
then how does that show up in terms of our psychological conditioning and how do we work as therapists? So these were the questions. It's like, what is it to work from the understanding of this? What is it to work from presence, from awake awareness? So um, I helped found a, a conference and then stepped back after some years from uh, coordinating that and um, was a senior editor of two books, two anthologies. Um, um, <clears throat> the second book was Listening from the Heart of Silence. And then at some point, um, I began co-teaching with a friend and colleague of mine who had also studied with Adi Shanti and whom he had invited to share the Dharma. And we taught together for a few years. And, and then there was a kind of shift internally. There was a, and this was a curious experience that I had. I was actually leading a retreat here in California, not far from where I lived. And one morning um, after meditation, I went up onto the hills and and I was, instead of facing towards the tranquil mountain, I faced to the 101 freeway. I was full of commuter traffic. And I just felt my, my whole being kind of open to, I think, just the, the suffering of the human experience, um, you know, the most, uh, the, the most difficult dimensions of it. Just, there was just a sense of kind of an inner readiness to embrace that. And it was quite spontaneous and, and um, unexpected. But I had a feeling um, that I wanted to begin to share this understanding. And I had been um, leading several self-inquiry groups uh, on my own. It was just kind of a natural movement, I would say, to share. So I began to teach and lead retreats and uh, wrote a book in 2015 that you mentioned in touch. And this is an interesting point because one of the things I noticed when I work with people is that as they get in touch with what's true for them, a deeper truth, um, they feel very, these subtle somatic markers often would come online. Uh, for instance, they would feel their hearts opening, kind of warmth in the heart and expansiveness in the heart area. They would feel a sense of spaciousness, openness all around them, you know, as, as if they were much greater you know, than being confined, being an inmate of the body. They would feel a sense of groundedness, really landing and being here, and, and a sense of inner authority and inner alignment uh, that would go along with that. And I could feel it with them. Um, so I noticed that there are these, these kind of somatic signals, markers, and they're even portals uh, that accompany uh, our sense of deepening and, and authenticity and self-intimacy and aliveness. So my book, In Touch, was about that. And um, actually, once I wrote that book, I began um, teaching, offering retreats. And I teach with my wife, who also studied with Jean Klein and offers his body approach, and uh, been doing retreats in, um, in the US. We were about to do it in uh, Europe, and then uh, COVID came along. We had a retreat planned in Amsterdam. So um, that's kind of the outer story. I would say the most important thing is um, in psychotherapy, there's a very important principle called resourcing, which is you help your client really resource themselves before they go into difficult material. Uh, something that brings a sense of inner stability, inner calmness, inner resilience. And then from that, you, you know, kind of step by step begin to um, deal with your more difficult uh, conditioning. And what I have discovered is that the more we can get in touch with the sense of presence, this loving field of awareness, 
um, which we can access through the heart, but not only through the heart, um, we have a sense, we can then welcome our conditioned experience, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, it could be a sense of emotional you know, shame or difficult feelings, or we can begin to inquire into our core negative beliefs with, um, and create an optimal field for their gradual release and healing. And this comes to the main point of you know, your program, Bob, which is around healing um, and the value of spiritual awareness uh, uh, as a resource to deal with the condition body-mind. So, um, you know, I think both are important that we, that we um, learn to attune with this silent loving field and that we deeply inquire into who we think and feel we are and, and let go of those limitations and that we welcome our experience exactly as it is um, with affection and curiosity. So those are a few of the main points. And one last point I'll make, which is the most recent book, The Deep Heart, I really hone in on um, the nature of the heart area uh, as a portal to our true nature. And, and this is where we carry a lot of our conditioning, a lot of our psychological and emotional conditioning, much of which is painful, and much of which accrued when we were children and that we, you know, it became too painful even to keep our hearts open and that we numbed and distanced from and so very often in, in this work, there's a gradual um, opening of the heart and we begin to welcome these parts of ourselves that we pushed away and the feelings and sensations that they go with. And, and as they gradually clear, we, we reach deeper dimensions of the heart and archetypal or, or personal essential level, which is often touched in Jungian, Jungian work and shamanic work, um, uh, flow states and and um, sense of really being in touch with archetypes. And then beyond that is, you know, what this kind of universal field of loving awareness. So this is what I teach. Um, this is what I encourage people to be in touch with and help guide them so that they are autonomous, so that this knowing is alive within them. You know, that's the main thing. It's, uh, uh, that's what I love to do is actually encourage people to discover and trust and and move from uh, this deep knowing within themselves to empower them, help empower themselves. I was wondering if you could touch on the theme of suffering hmm. in all of this, on um, how we as human beings can ascertain meaning through our suffering. There are many kinds. At first, I think we should maybe define what suffering is and perhaps distinguish it from pain. Yes. Uh, which, which we inevitably must experience as human beings. Um, but suffering, I think, comes from um, our sense of separation, fundamentally, our aloneness, uh, and everything that goes with that. That's our, that our deepest suffering. And so, um, and there's enormous suffering uh, in the world. I mean, even, I mean, it's important to face it within ourselves and experience it and investigate it in a very honest and vulnerable way. And eventually in the welcoming and in the investigation, there's a diminution of it, an amelioration of it. We discover something, we discover our non-separateness and that, that goes a long ways to alleviate our, our suffering. And we stop acting out and creating suffering for others mm -hmm. based on our confusion. So um, 
that's kind of on an individual level. But even so, we still feel and we're sensitive to the suffering collectively as well. However, what's interesting is that when we open to the deepest capacity of the heart, it's not personal. It's actually universal. Uh, it's not cold. It's not indifferent. It's not uncaring. But it, it's no longer personal. It has a universal field to it. And, and it's this great heart, I would say, that's actually capable of embracing uh, collective suffering. So um, that's been my experience. It's like the, the suffering here has fallen away, but the sensitivity to suffering of others, if anything, is more acute. And there's something in me that's drawn, I would say, to help alleviate that quite naturally, to be of service, actually, to help others um, you know, lessen their degree of suffering. It, that, it, it's an interesting point, though, because as you say, the more that we touch our own heart, the more our heart, like I know, for example, in, in the work that I do in Kurinderismo, one of the directions, one of the energies that we call in, in ceremony, is the heart. Mm-hmm. And the heart, not just meaning my heart, but through the blood that, in a, in a symbolic way, the blood that pumps through my veins, the fact that it's the same color as the blood of anybody else with a different color of skin, a different mm-hmm. culture, a different background. Yeah. We all have that same blood. So in that sense, it is the heart that connects all of us together. There's many, level, there's many levels to the heart. You know, you're speaking like just kind of our interrelatedness as physical beings and as humans. We share the same blood, the same breath, you know, the same physical organ. Uh, that's certainly true, how interconnected we are. And... There is this, this way of knowing, too, deep feeling and knowing of our non-separateness that when we tap into and, and discover becomes so, I would say, obvious that we naturally, you know, um, just feel our kinship with all living beings, not just humans, you know, not just humans. So the heart has many dimensions to it, and you're describing several of them. Mm-hmm. And yet it's that heart opening that makes me sensitive. I don't mean me. I mean me in the universal sense. That makes the individual that much more attuned to the suffering of others. So it's like the, the, the lessening of my personal suffering creates this opening to feel the collective suffering of everybody around Absolutely. Me. Yeah, so it takes courage. The word, you know, the... The French word for heart is cœur, you know, or, or corps is the Latin, you know. It's like it takes great courage, actually, to go to face our own suffering uh, and to go through it. But what we discover is exactly what you're describing, Bob. It's like we describe this quality of, you know, deep care and compassion uh, for all beings. And, and I think this is what we need both individually and collectively. We have to move out of ordinary mind, strategic, you know, goal-oriented, acquisitive mind. I mean, it, it, the mind is a beautiful tool, but uh, it, it doesn't have wisdom in it. And, and this is where the wisdom of the heart, you know, however we get to it, you know, and, and I'm, I honor all methods, you mm-hmm. know, that help open the heart um, on whatever level. But I think individually and collectively, this is what we need to evolve toward if we're going to make it, you know, as a species. 
Absolutely. So, so John, let's spend a couple of moments talking about the, the way that our listeners who are interested and attuned to all of the things that you're talking about, how they can learn more. So if you could go mm-hmm. through the titles of your books again, you know, tell us a little bit about what they're about and then okay. how people could get a hold of you if they are interested in your, mm-hmm. your retreats and anything else that you're offering. Okay, well, I'll just mention my website again, which is, uh, or has all that information and a lot of videos. I have a YouTube channel. So there's a lot of things, interviews, um, you know, by various people. Uh, so that would be a good place to start to familiarize yourself more with what I have to offer. And that's listeningfromsilence.com. But you can just type in my name to John J. Prendergast and PhD, and it'll, that'll pop, take you to my website. So that's a good place to start. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of videos um, there that kind of give a sense of um, my approach and orientation. But the books are useful too. And The Deep Heart is available um, also as an audio book for listeners who like to listen, <laughs> prefer to listen, to read. And um, I think it's really the, those two books, the most recent books are really kind of a summary of what my understanding and experience have been. Um, so they're also excellent um, introductions to that. And I, you know, with COVID, I've had to cancel several retreats, one on the East Coast at Kripalu and one on the West Coast at Brighton Bush and the one I mentioned already in Amsterdam. Um, so uh, I won't be doing any in-person retreats, you know, until that situation clarifies. And um, we'll probably start doing some online retreats within a a few months. I'm working with a health issue right now, so I'm going to wait till that clears. Um, so um, news about that can also be found on, on the website. Um, there was some other point. Did you have a question? or was there uh, No, so I just wanted to know how people can get a hold of you and what it is that they could expect. Yeah. Um, so, you, you're no longer, you're shifting out of one-on-one work. Is that right? I, I am. Yeah. I, you know, I've worked for many years, 40 years as a psychotherapist, spiritually oriented. And my work has just been, become more and more towards spiritual mannering and not psychotherapy. But the truth is I've had so many people <laughs> requested to work with me. I, I have no space for that. So uh, I'm really not available. I don't have any openings at this point, but um, you know, my email is in the book and at the website and, uh, I think the best way, you know, is just, oh, I do have one thing I should mention. I do have a Facebook group uh, based on the book. It's called The Deep Heart. Um, it's free. It's private, though. So you have to answer if you go to Facebook and go to the search mode and type in The Deep Heart. Um, what I do is I've been doing every other week uh, on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, a 75-minute free um, kind of book oriented um, sharing and guided meditation and short talk and then experiential dialogue with members. So we do it through a Zoom meeting and um, I'll have six more meetings before I finish with that. And I may have other online offerings next year. So that's a good way to kind of explore this approach with me. That's a great way for our listeners, I think, to experience it. And as you say, free is good. Free is good. Yeah. I'm happy to uh, offer it freely. I, I do have one, one final question. And, you know, you've talked about this shift from the one-on-one work to spiritual mentoring through mm. retreats. Not everybody, I think, may know what goes on at a retreat. So why is that a good way for a person to evolve spiritually? 
Well, retreats are very powerful, um, either online or in person. I think in person even more so. Uh, first of all, you're with a group of other individuals who are all similarly oriented. So there's a field experience. It's like everyone's dropping in together. Almost always everyone says it's much easier to meditate in a group than it is alone. Uh, second of all, you're spending concentrated time really investigating what's most important or finding out what's most important to you. And, um, you know, usually we're so distracted in our ordinary life to be able to do a retreat, you know, to, to disengage from family responsibilities and from work and, and to really have quiet time, undistracted time to, to listen, you know, is rare. So we have to make it initially. I mean, ultimately we don't need retreats. You know, it's our ordinary life is the teacher and we uh, is sufficient. But there is a phase, I think, in our, our journey where taking time away one way or the other, you know, individually or on a retreat, you know, and I, probably a lot of your listeners have done this, even short ones are so valuable. For me, that was the most important thing I did was these week long or monthly retreats that I would do um, years ago. And so, it just turns up the heat, you know, it's like you're cooking, you know, when you immerse yourself in the field for a number of days. And of course, you're having to face yourself in a way uh, you ordinarily don't, uh, which is why people avoid retreats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but just, just the, the, the fact of unplugging for that's a few right. days. Just to unplug and, and to be in a beautiful natural environment usually also. But even if you do it online, uh, to simplify your lifestyle, to know you're doing it with others, to listen to other people as they share, as they unfold, as they become increasingly vulnerable and authentic in their exploration is very inspiring. Um, so it quickens the process. Yeah. Well, John Prendergast, it has been a pleasure spending uh, some time with you during three interviews. I, I think we really covered a lot. And thank you for inspiring our listeners to go on that spiritual inner quest. So John, thank you. Well, likewise, it's been quite rich. I really enjoyed being with you, Bob. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you're a very spiritual person who just needs a little help clearing away what's been holding you back through some relatively quick healing techniques, get on my calendar for a free call. Go to healwithbob.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.